Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Today, Peter, I know that you told me today's topic is about a really interesting and powerful strategy that allows real estate investors to sell their property and defer the capital gains expense, which sounds fantastic, by the way. But you also have a special guest today, and that's Paolo Aguilar, a vice president at Inland Securities Corporation. Everyone loves tax deferral. I mean, I would love more tax deferral, but especially real estate investors. I can't wait to hear more, Peter. Yeah, th- thanks, Eric. I'm, I'm, I'm ex- real excited to have a conversation with Paulo. It's a strategy that many of our clients who own real estate ca- can utilize and, and, and do utilize. It's, it's called a 1031 exchange. And as you said, it is powerful and, and really it should be considered in, in a lot of situations. And again, for those investors that are buying and active in real estate, they do take advantage of it. So let me first introduce Paulo. He's with Inland, which is a US-based real estate investment company located in Chicago. And Paulo, can you tell us about Inland and, and describe your role? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad to be here uh, this morning with you guys and to talk about a very important topic, 1031 exchange uh, and in the tax code. And uh, Inland has been founded uh, since 1968 uh, by an interesting story for public school teachers. Uh, and they've grown the company ever since into a multi-billion dollar real estate company based out of uh, the Chicagoland area uh, in Illinois. Uh, and what I do here at Inland is educate financial advisors and their uh, their clients regarding regarding these unique opportunities, especially with 1031 exchange tax deferral strategies. And so I'm here today to speak more about it and love to just talk more about uh, what we can do to help you and your clients regarding that. Thanks, Paulo. It, it is a it, it's a a pretty well known strategy, but there's some complications, and I'm I'm real happy we're having this conversation. Uh, before we begin, I, I just need to mention that neither Apollo or Inland Securities are affiliated with Lincoln Financial Advisors, which is the broker dealer I'm affiliated with. So that's something I just need to um, declare <laughs> as we start the podcast. So so now let's start. I, I thought it might be helpful to describe a couple of. of situations I've seen in recent years where this tax deferred strategy has been considered. So I'll give a couple of examples, a little bit of detail, but I think it's going to be helpful in in talking about why this kind of strategy is so popular. So example one, Jim and Judy, they're about 70 and they're retired. They own investment real estate in a suburb of Boston. Uh, their, Their primary goal is to enhance their lifestyle with more income and enjoy retirement. Basically, they're retired and they just want to enjoy it. Uh, They spend about four to five months a year in Florida and they want to reduce their real estate headaches. They've they've been on this property for, or properties for a long time. Uh, It's debt-free. It has a restaurant, a house that's that's rented and and a buildable lot that can easily be subdivided from the rest of the property. 
and it's it's zoned for housing and could be easily sold for about four hundred thousand dollars. And Jim and Judy aren't interested in developing their lot. They've done that, and they, they they're just not interested in it. And they are happy collecting rents on the restaurant, but they realize that the lot isn't producing any income. And frankly, they they want to increase their income. So the whole property, which has been in the family for a couple of generations, has has really low cost basis, which which means if they sell it, uh, they'd have to pay gains on the capital gains. Uh, gains they'd have to pay capital gains tax. So if if they do sell the lot or the restaurant, they'd probably have to pay about twenty percent of their proceeds in in long term capital gains taxes, which is a lot. And um, they want to avoid paying this tax if possible. So that's Jim and Judy, their example one. Example two is Sam. Sam has been a, a real estate investor for 20 years. He typically owns properties for a long time, but, but does sell them as time goes up, especially when he's not happy with how the property is performing or he thinks that there are better opportunities available to him. He also runs and owns a real estate brokerage firm. So he's a He's just a really busy guy. But when he does sell properties, his cost basis is usually fairly low because of, of depreciation and the fact that he owns them for, for a long time. And they, and they also appreciate in value. So he's been doing 1031 exchanges o- over many, many years and really understands the value of doing them. Uh, so he's taking full advantage of this tax benefit. And, and, the, and the properties typically have low or no debt when he wants to sell them. So that's, that's the situation with, uh, with Sam. So, so Paul, let's, let's get right into the details of the benefits and challenges of doing 1031 exchanges. Then, then after, we, after you go into that detail, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how this strategy can benefit uh, Jim and Judy and, and Sam. So first, why do we call it a 1031 exchange? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So this was actually the 1031 exchange tax code was introduced uh, 100 years ago, uh, 1921, to really help farmers uh, to exchange farmland uh, when they do, in fact, sell their real estate. And so that actually has carried on over into the present day uh, where real estate investors can utilize this this, this tax code, uh, the 1031 exchange tax code, so that they can effectively defer any capital gains and their proceeds into a like-kind property, uh, and so that's really how that uh, the 1031 exchange tech the, the 1031 exchange code had come about into what it's being utilized as of today. And Inland has come up with some pretty interesting strategies from normal course of conducting a 1031 exchange in the process of doing that. You would typically hire a real estate broker to to find property that's out there that matches you would like to purchase uh, for your next property as an investor as an investment. But there's also another option, a menu of other options that we can also provide. Whereas Inland creates a DST, a Delaware statutory trust, uh, that's basically more or less a fund that we go out to make the purchase of the properties on behalf of the clients, and then. What ends up happening is that the investors can then utilize this DST structure as a 1031 exchangeable option for them. And so it's pretty interesting what we've been doing for the past 20 years since um, uh, early 2000s, uh, providing these types of solutions for clients. So, so this is tax deferral. Um, my understanding is it's, it's not tax avoidance. You're not avoiding the tax because eventually 
if and when the property is sold, that that that's when that's when the taxes is uh, payable. Then that's correct. Yes, it's it's it, it, you're not avoiding the tax. It's if it's a tax deferral strategy, up until you decide to when to pay. Right, and so you have the option towards you know your next sale. Maybe you'd like to pay the capital gains taxes at that point, or you can ten thirty one and keep rolling it on uh, to the next uh, property if you'd like to. Up until you you do pass you pass away. Right, um, it's 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 part of life. Uh, but uh, what ends up happening is that there is a step up in the cost basis that will effectively kick in. Uh, and so your heirs or your beneficiaries would have that benefit of the step up in cost basis if you do effectively continue to 1031 exchange into other like kind properties uh, moving forward. And so what, what kinds of properties are available or eligible for, for this kind of exchange? So it's really, it's, it's a pretty broad uh, uh, definition of properties. Uh, the, only, the only ineligible property is effectively your primary residence. Um, and anything else that's considered a, an investment property can be exchangeable for other types of investment property, uh, more or less. So you can, you can take, for example, a multifamily, two, a, a two-family apartment can exchange or can be exchanged into a, a, a triple net lease pharmacy uh, uh, property. So that's one example, or even farmland to a uh, hospital, right? Uh, so it's, it's a very loose term, uh, as so long as it, it just falls under an investment property. That's really the, the, the biggest indicator. So it doesn't need to be the exact same kind of asset. It can be land exchange for a building, it can be a building exchange for land. So it gives the gives the investor lots of flexibility. Correct. That's right. So what are some of the um, the requirements of to, to make sure that this is exchanged properly? Yeah. So the biggest thing is there's there's a timeline that we need to meet, right? When as as an exchanger or investor who's looking to execute a successful 1031 exchange, uh, the IRS imposes a timeline that we need to to meet. One of that being is that when in fact you do sell the the pro- your property, uh, you've got 45 days to identify a like kind property, right? So you've got a 45 day window to find whether it's you're going to go out to purchase it yourself and actively manage the property, or you go with a um, real estate sponsor and select different types of. DSTs, Delaware Statutory Trusts, uh, but you do have that constraint of 45 days. And then once after you aggregate the properties that you do want to identify as 1031 exchangeable properties, at that point, once the 45 days has passed, you can't go back and identify more properties. And then at that point on the 45th day and beyond, you have another 135 days to close on the properties uh, that you have identified uh, within that 45-day period. And so that's how you would successfully execute a 1031 exchange more or less. One other thing too is before this is that to get the to get involved or get the involvement of the qualified intermediary who is a key agent in this entire process because as a matter of fact they are the only agent or or, or individual who can take possession of the proceeds uh, of this uh, uh, of the proceeds of the of the um, uh, real estate sale uh, and so getting them involved making sure that they're aware of the sale of your property 
uh, is very crucial so that they can take hold of the proceeds. Because if you, for example, as the investor, take hold of the proceeds, when the sale does uh, take place, then the 1031 exchange uh, no longer can be done. Uh, and that blows up everything. So so the first thing that a real estate investor needs to to um, to identify is who this this agent would be. They need to choose an agent to escrow the proceeds of the sale. Isn't that correct? Yes, that that is correct. That's probably the most crucial part of the process when I typically would advise uh, investors uh, along with their real estate agent once they get under contract uh, and, and decide to move forward with a sale of their property to start looking for a qualified intermediary. Uh, that's when I think is 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 best. Uh, you know, earlier, sooner rather than later is always the best route to go in this in these types of situations. And then from the date of sale, the 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 seller has forty five days to identify one or or multiple properties. And then there's another 130, once they've identified and the 45 days lapses, then they've got to actually close on that property or one of the properties that, have, that they've identified within 135 days. That's correct. Yeah. The closing aspect of the uh, is within 135 days after. So total timeline from day one, when you do sell to the last day, the very last day, you can actually uh, successfully execute a 1031 exchange is 180 days. Mm -hmm. So in one question, a question as far as value is concerned, the, an investor um, needs to purchase or, or exchange for a property that's of equal or higher value, typically in order to, to fully uh, avoid any sort of, or to, to defer the capital gain taxation. Isn't that true? Yeah. So the way that the IRS looks at these are are typically if you if let's say you're selling out of a million dollar property a, a multifamily and let's say that there's fifty percent debt on it so you have a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage on this million dollar property at the at the date of sale uh, the closing date you're going to get back call it $500,000 because of course you have to pay down the mortgage um, when it's due in the sale. Uh, and so now you're left with $500,000 uh, and, and as equity that you can use and deploy to 1031 exchange. Now, what the IRS is saying is that we need to find that the very minimum, the same amount of dollar value of uh, the sale of that of relinquished property that you had just sold out of, so that one million dollars, and so what we, we you need to do is find a property that has valued at least one million dollars, but you have five hundred thousand dollars of equity, so you need to place another mortgage of five hundred thousand dollars to equal that million dollars, and so that's typically how uh, these work and how the IRS looks at it. It's just you got to find the equal value of real estate to replace. Um, the, from the relinquished property that you just sold out of. But if you've got, if you don't need to take on debt, meaning you've got another, you've got $500,000 of cash uh, available to you, you could use that instead of getting a mortgage. Yes. Yeah, so if you use, you can use that, move forward with purchasing um, a, a property that's uh, 500, uh, that's a um, million dollars. However, what you would need to do is still take the debt. 
uh, and, and place that on top of the 500 to equal the million dollars. If though, let's say that the, the, the investor did not have, uh, in this case, uh, any debt on his previous property. Uh, let's say it was just a million dollars with no debt. Um, there's no mortgage on the previous property he just sold out of. At this case, he doesn't need to take on new debt, or new, a new mortgage to, to purchase another million dollar property. That In that case, it would be uh, a pretty seamless trend, uh, um, exchange in that sense where the value of real estate that, was, that he just sold equals the value of real estate that he's buying into next. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So who who are the necessary parties involved? You talked about the a qualified uh, intermediary. It, my understanding that these are are firms that are basically this is that's all they do are exchanges, ten thirty one exchanges. Are there other parties that you typically see involved in in these these kinds of transactions? Yeah. So aside from the qualified intermediary, um, you would you would also involve their CPA, any uh, state attorney uh, as well. Um, the real estate agent uh, is also involved in the financial advisor in the case of you know guidance from how to best look at the whole overall picture of how to move forward and, and the tax consequences and the options that are out there available, not only from uh, not not only from the uh, uh, the normal co- course of purchasing real estate, uh, which is to uh, go out and uh, uh, contact your real estate broker to to find new uh, other types of real estate, but also the DST option, right? That's another way, another avenue to get engaged with your financial advisor to talk about other options that are not necessarily on the market, more off-market menu types of options that real estate sponsors have put together, have packaged to also allow you to invest into as well. Uh, and so that's really the, the main focus in the team that, that, that uh, when we and, my, and myself included, when I speak to, those are the, the, the main members of the team that we call the power team uh, that's guiding and, 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 and giving advice to investors. Yeah, I see this is probably one of the biggest challenges is, is how, how you can sell your property that you own, but finding the new property, the property to exchange to can be a challenge depending upon the market, depending upon um, what the goals are. Any, any comments about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially right now, it, it's it's extremely challenging. The market, the market itself, uh, across the board, uh, any uh, the, for 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 most asset classes in real estate have been very dry, very short on inventory. So it's been very very challenging for investors to find the right types of deals that meet their criteria that 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 they're comfortable in moving forward with. And so that's been a real challenge for them. And so they've they've been looking at other avenues on how to ten thirty one and defer their taxes into other vehicles. And even so, the DST options, um, as of the last call it year, year and a half or so, uh, we, we've uh, seen a, 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 a spike of interest and, and shortage of inventory also on our end. So across the board, real estate has just uh, been very challenging uh, to find the right deals that make sense. And so it's 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 it requires really a team of to, 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 to get together and make sure that we can maneuver and, and, and best advise on how to move forward uh, with the current options that are available at this point, especially in the market. Yeah. I mean, I see this as a, it's a real challenge, you know, 180 days sounds like a lot of time, but depending upon what period of time we're in and what kind of property, it, this it could be a real challenge. 
Yeah. You're not even that, not 180 days. You're even looking at 45 right. days yeah. because remember, Peter, once you pass the 45 days, you, you, you can't go back and say, oh, wow, I found another property that just came on market today. Can't do that anymore. You're, you're, once the 45 days passes, it's gone. Uh, so you're really working with 45 days to, to find that property and think about the due diligence that you need to, that you would need to do, right? Just, you go under contract, you, uh, you, you go in to walk the property, uh, with your agent, uh, you may find some things here and there that may not be how it was advertised previously. And, you know, then you got to negotiate and then find financing. So there's a lot of moving parts that actually, uh, go into this and you've got 45 days. And if things don't pan out the way that they do, uh, well, you know, then you still got the 135 days, but at that point, uh, you got to make it's it's almost almost certain that you, that that type of real estate that you you've selected within that identification period almost needs to be almost certain that you're going to move forward with it. If not, then it gets really tough. I, I can see that. I, I think this is a good a good place to uh, bring back uh, into discussion uh, Jim and Judy and Sam. And and one thing I think that they have in common is that you know they're all, all, all they're both. Both examples, they're mostly concerned about deferring the capital gains tax, but 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 they really do have different objectives, don't they? So I I just wanted to point this out that that the Jim and Judy are are more interested in kind of turning this non-income producing land into an income stream, but they don't want the hassle of managing or or, or developing real estate. They just want to basically collect a coupon of, of, of rental income. So uh, it's, they want to avoid the tax taxes currently, and they don't really aren't in a position to work at it like they have in the, like they've had to in the past. So that, that's Jim and Judy. And, and Sam is still an active real estate investor who, and, and he loves the challenge and is concerned about the, the timing constraints of this, can, you know, as, as you just said, can he really identify and close on suitable property within 45 days and then a total of 180 days? It, it can be, that's a real challenge for this active, busy investor. Uh, you know, he's picky. He doesn't want to just, he doesn't want to get caught paying taxes if it's avoidable. And most of the time he finds what he needs, but there's been a couple of instances over the last 20 years that, that he has gotten caught, caught in it and it's, and it's been painful. So what, do you, what, do you, what are some of those options for, for, for Jim and Judy and Sam? From from my experience uh, working here at Inland, we really deal with two types of clients, and uh, you, you've kind of you really highlighted those two types of clients, Jim and Judy and Sam, right? So Jim and Judy, those are the types of clients that we, for the vast majority, I would say maybe ninety percent or more, are, are the types of clients that go to the DST option, right, the Delaware Statutory Trust option, where they don't want the management responsibilities. They they're they're retiring or, or are retired. They don't want to have to go through the hassle of actively managing the real estate. They look to these DSTs, the Delaware Statutory Trust, uh, that we create for them, and we do the active management for them. We collect the rent, and then we pass all that income to to the clients, uh, to Jim and Judy in this case. And so th- that's been very, very attractive for many of the retired or soon to be retired investors um, that are just kind of tired of the toilets, tenants, and trash, as we call it, the terrible teas. Um, and so, in addition to that, uh, from an estate planning standpoint. Some of the investors that we've actually encountered, you know, their beneficiaries or heirs, they're not really into real estate. Maybe they have their own profession. 
that and and or their own career that they're not really actively involved in real estate and if they do pass away, in this case, and Jim and Judy do pass away, what do their uh, son and daughter or their other beneficiaries, if they have any that they place instead, what are they going to do with the real estate if they, you know, if they do in fact buy another piece of physical real estate? And so with the DST, this this actually helps them in the transition of, of passing and transferring the the interests of these DSTs to their heirs a lot more seamlessly than if you were going to uh, buy physical real estate. And so th- those are really the main benefits for the for the clients who are about to retire, about to uh, or are retired and looking for more passive income, less responsibilities, and just to enjoy their golden years. Um, As for Sam, it's interesting because uh, we've gotten a lot of interest and calls in from these types of investors who are active actually, and, and, and do want to actually still be involved in real estate. But like I said before, the market's just a little crazy, right? Where there's no there's there's been a shortage of inventory, and in this case, they're now looking at different avenues, expanding the menu of different op- for options for them, so that they can continue to defer their capital gains taxes. And in some cases, what ends up happening is that if they can't find anything, maybe they'll look to us as a 1031 DST sponsor to park their their proceeds, their 1031 proceeds. Because eventually what we do event, uh, what we plan to do is of course, sell the, the, the assets, these DSTs that we have, um, that we've invested in down the road within typically seven to 10 years. And so they decide, Hey, you know, I'd rather park it in, in, in a DST vehicle for that period of time. And then from there on, maybe the market will change. Maybe there will be more inventory in that seven to 10 year time frame, And then from there, I'll go back into real estate. Uh, and so that's another way to look at it. And Another another um, uh, interesting aspect too is that you know we we have the remainders of 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 the of the real estate purchase right of from these active real estate investors and what I mean by that is when an investor let's say in Sam is looking to move a million dollars of of uh, ten thirty one proceeds maybe he can only find six hundred thousand dollars worth of real estate but he really needs to find a million dollars right uh, so. He can't find another. He can't place another four hundred thousand dollars into another piece of real estate. So they look into. They look to us um, as a ten thirty one DSC sponsor to move the remaining proceeds into that, so they can fully execute a tax deferral strategy, a hundred percent tax deferral strategy in that regard. And so those are really the two types of situations that we're coming across more and more. Uh, so each day here um, with the market that we're currently facing. Yeah, I, I find that so interesting that this uh, certainly that the, this. This uh, strategy offers tremendous benefits, but in in some cases, even for the serious active real estate investor, they may want to utilize uh, this kind of structure, especially offered from a firm like like Inland, uh, that 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 allows them to 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 make this transaction work well. So it's it's just an interesting option. I, I do want to. Um, uh, just stress another point that you made earlier about the um, estate planning consideration, and I think it's so important. Uh, for example, Jim and Judy, uh, their heirs may not really want to manage that that real estate, and uh, the the. One advantage of utilizing the DST structure is that they've got professional management in place. But the other thing that I think uh, is 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 helpful to know is just the 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 step up in basis. 
So at death, your your basis in the property becomes the value of the property on the day of your death. And therefore, your heirs, when the property is sold, their cost basis rises typically to that higher value at the date of death. And then if it's sold six months later or, or five years later for that value, that date of death value, there would be no capital gains tax. Uh, or if there's a, a some additional appreciation, then then that appreciation is taxed, but it's a, on a, a much uh, smaller number. So it, it is in a, that's that's under current law, and so I think that's an important uh, conversation to have with clients like this. That uh, these the, the, these step up and basis advantages might benefit the the children and heirs that that that, that our clients have. There are is conversation about changing tax legislation, and that might affect state taxes as well as step up in basis. But we don't know what that's going to look like at this point. So we can only, we, we, we can't make any specific plans uh, relative to tax changes that might occur. But under current law, we have a step up in basis. Speaking of, of tax law changes, there's also been conversations about 1031 exchanges and, and, and how tax law might affect that. So could you briefly just talk a, a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting because last time I checked, and this can, this can all change day by day, week by week, but last time I checked, um, the 1031 exchange at this point actually was not in place for the proposal for any tax tax hikes, right? But prior to that, um, and we, we've been talking to many uh, investors, advisors, and clients about uh, the original plan that uh, the Biden administration had proposed, which was to tax or cap rather 1031 exchanges that are $500,000 only on an individual basis or a million dollars on a joint basis. And so that was a few months back, but as of recently, actually, the last couple of weeks when they um, made that, uh, uh, when they've created the proposal again from the Democratic side, we didn't see any of that language in there. So we're still waiting to hear, maybe there's gonna be some more negotiations on what may that be, what they will find out to be. But like you said, this is, uh, it's very, uh, you know, you gotta wait every day and see where things go um, from here on out. Um, and so the step up in the cost basis as well is not also included as in the current proposal right now, but they were a few months back talking about uh, eliminating it altogether. And so, um, you know, this is all TBD um, as, as, I'll, as I'll put it. And uh, so uh, stay tuned on that. Yeah, I think that's the important thing to consider is just stay tuned. Uh, tax laws can change at any point, and um, we just have to be prepared for that. So, Paulo, I'm, I'm so glad we ha- we have had this opportunity to chat today because I think you know real estate is is just a fantastic way to to build equity and and increase increase income for 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 a lot of people. It's it's really been a wealth builder in, in this country for. For, for 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 hundreds of years and 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 the US tax code has certainly been supportive of this this asset type and, and I suspect in one way shape or form that 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 the IRS tax code is going to be continue to be supportive we don't know to what extent but real estate is an important part of our economy so I, I suspect that uh, lobbyists will continue to lobby uh, Congress <laughs> and uh, I think there will still be certain advantages so thanks so much for joining me today uh, you know you you and inland are 
a tremendous resource and and I'm and I'm sure we'll be chatting soon. Uh, so thanks thanks a lot, Paulo. Absolutely, Peter. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Guys, this has been fantastic. Uh, Paolo, thank you so much for uh, your time today and, and just the, the education that I just received and the audience. Peter, when it comes to folks that are listening to this, say, hey, this is uh, something I'm really interested in. I'm hoping that they reach out to you. Can you just remind them of how to get a hold of you? Yeah, I think probably the best uh, thing to do is to go to our website, which is um, uh, raskinplanning.com. Our contact information is there. People want to call, they can call me at 617 728 7433 but happy to answer any questions and uh, I, I think this is a, it's a tremendous strategy that that may not be appropriate for every circumstance but at least it should be considered so eric thanks a lot absolutely absolutely paulo again thank you so much for being on the show peter of course thank you for bringing him on the show uh, to educate the audience and myself but of course our last thank you always goes to you the listening audience thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the wealth is in the details podcast with peter raskin if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet please click the subscribe now button below. This way when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.